Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com. You know I'm right. Episode 22 right here on WG Sports Radio Network. Nick Durst joined once again by Joe Calabrese and Joe, there was some major shakeups this week with ESPN Radio, and the guy who's been the staple for ESPN Radio for over 20 years, Mike Golick, Mike Golick Sr., is being asked to leave ESPN Radio, and he was quoted saying, it certainly was not my choice, and they're going to be, he's going to be replaced in the morning with Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and Zulu Mahente. Uh, we'll see how that morning duo goes. I think no matter what, the morning show in New York on WFM will always crush ESPN in the ratings. But that's not the only shakeup, Joe. There's going to be a lot of other changes throughout the day on ESPN rating. Right. So we, uh, we're going to talk about the new lineup and everything. So you previously mentioned Keyshawn, uh, Jay Williams, and Zubin are going to basically be a part of that morning staple. Uh, the ESPN lineup still includes uh, mainstays like Dan Lebertard and Greenberg and Max Kellerman, uh, Mike Golick Jr. Right, so oh. you you mentioned the senior before. Uh, Mike Golick Jr. gave a really nice, emotional, heartfelt tweet uh, shout out for his father before. A nice thank you. Uh, Mike Golick Sr. has been a part of ESPN Radio since 1998. So I recently just turned 28 which means that since i was six years old for 22 years michael senior has been on espn radio so that is it's quite a hell of a run uh it's not as long as the 30 years that a certain uh number one radio host that we love very very dearly uh lasted uh on wfam but that's still a great career and you know something uh, he was uh michael senior uh, was a very big staple in the sports radio scene with Mike and Mike in the morning. And he is one of, I would say, one of the very first shows outside of, if you want to say Mike and the Mad Dog, which is totally fair, one of those really popular sports radio shows that really uh, gravitated to people, uh, people listened in, definitely been one of the the all-time staples at ESPN. So he's he's had a hell of a career. And I think he's had a very influential career. And uh, we are at a very weird time in media right now where a lot of things are getting shuffled. A lot of people, uh, you're going to see their roles probably changing in the next couple of months in the next year or so. Uh, a lot of things have been in flux. And we're going to see that, too, with uh, WFAN when we uh, talk about that in a little bit. But, yeah, so most of the lineup uh, still all the names, mostly staples, uh most of the ESPN names, as, as you, as everybody knows, both are are both uh, radio and TV hybrids. So uh, going forward, that might be the direction that they're going to go in, where they want their talent, their on-air talent, their on-screen talent to kind of blend into the radio side more and more. So we'll see. But you know, congratulations, Mike Golick, Alvaron. Well, do you think that when it comes to getting rid of Mike Golick, they got rid of the wrong one? I don't know. I really, I really don't know. I see. I've always liked Greeny. I think he's, I think he's very personable. Well, Greeny, yeah, but I'm, t- I'm saying, 
you know, they get rid of Mike Golick Sr., but Jr. is getting his own show. I think there's something, something's wrong there. Right. Well, I mean, I can imagine Golick Sr. as part of the, 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 the agreement to, to have him go away. I'm sure he'll be on his son's show, you know? I'm I mean, sure he'll Sammy, be a recurring His son is such, such a lucky guy because he really got his start in radio and ESPN just because of his father. Because I think I think part of the reason why Wingo and Golick has been so bad is because of the fact that it's been Mike Golick Jr. just coming on and they're just it's just not a good show. They never had chemistry in the three of them. I don't know how right. much you've listened, but it was it was just a hard hard listen. They were like over exaggerating everything, and the other big issue with if you ask me, with these national shows on ESPN, is it's nonstop football and basketball. In the summer, I want to hear some baseball talk. Why can't you hear that on national radio? It drives yeah. me crazy. I I, uh, I happen to agree with that, and I think more or less it's just because the ESPN properties, uh, we know that they, they broadcast Monday Night Football, and they broadcast all the, the NFL afternoon shows during the week, and we see them uh, really support their NBA partnership more so than anything. And obviously uh, of the major sports we see of the four major sports, I think those are the two most popular now. So uh, I just, I just think that's the, the, the way it was trending. Uh, I totally agree with you. I think they definitely needed more baseball. I think the most baseball that we get, uh, especially now around here uh, would be with like Michael Kay and Don LaGreca and, and your boy. Well, the thing with that is that that's not a national show. I think these national I know, shows. And then it shows in the ratings because Goldblink Wingo had a 1.4 rating in the spring book, which was 20th in the New York market. Uh, not too great. I don't know. I, I think in New York you would think, all right, you got – this is the largest market. They get the most ad time uh, as far as money goes here. They should do a local show in New York. You know, maybe, maybe you bring in Craig Carton or something. That's not going to happen, but – uh, you mentioned earlier Greenberg, he's returning to radio, and Max Kellerman's returning to radio. One of the, right. they should just they should Max and Stephen A should have been a radio show, but uh, you know that's not going to happen. So the other thing interesting here thing is Dan Lebetard, who is probably you know has a cult like following, one of the most popular radio shows there is. They're going to lose an hour of their show. So Greenberg is going to be on from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern. Max from 2 right. p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, and then you're going to have Golik Jr. and Chini Ogum Mike is going to be on for 4 to 7. Um, but overall, I mean, the problem with these shows on ESPN is that they don't take callers. And if you're a New Yorker and you listen to WFN, the callers really make the shows. Yeah, and I uh, I wanted to add another point onto this, right? So we'll loop the, the baseball thing back in a little bit. Uh, I think generally speaking, and this I think is very, very indicative of uh, the New York sports fan, I think for the most part, the New York fans who tune into and listen to these sports definitely, one, tend to skew a little bit older. Uh, and when I say older, I mean obviously people our age still listen, but I would think that the core demographic and makeup of the audience still remains with the, the a slightly older demographic, uh, people who are in their mid to late thirties, the forties, the fifties driving to and, and from work during the day. Uh, and I happen to think that these people, they skew to be baseball fans and they skew to be football fans, not so much basketball. Now, uh, generally speaking in the New York area, 
a collection of callers, uh, what WFAN relies on, typically, I would say for the most part, is a combination of Yankees fans, Mets fans, and Giants fans. Now, we see a lot of really well-known Jets callers, uh, but for the most part, I think those are those are more few and far between. I think uh, the Yankees, the Mets, and the Giants are still the three teams that run this town, and obviously being the two baseball teams, uh, that is what happens and goes throughout the summer, and you're 100% right. A lot of what ESPN National does is it kind of neglects that one big sport that is happening during the summer when all other three sports are not taking place. Obviously this year being an exception because of the whole COVID uh, uh, pandemic that's, that's happening all over the world. But for the most part, I feel like there is a large group of listeners, both local and we can, we can lump the New York fans into to, to everything here. Uh, I feel like there's a, a, a large section of the audience, especially the national audience who are baseball fans who are kind of being left in the cold right now because I would I would I'm not not to plug a good, a good friend of mine and, and some coworkers but I would think like if you're going for anything baseball national related you're going to go to Mad Dog Radio right you're going to go to Chris Russo uh you're going to go to that that serious channel and I feel like there really aren't that many other better national options out there outside of just independent podcasts and stuff and and people who want to who want to do that so yeah, like you said, the baseball audience tends to be an older audience. The radio audience is an older audience. So there's a big, you know, misconception there for ESPN because they're really focusing their radio shows on like ESPN News simulcast. Uh, and also, I believe Will Kane, who I didn't really care for as far as a sports analyst, he is headed over to Fox News, I believe. Uh, Really, the downfall of ESPN Radio is they got rid of Colin Coward, uh, SVP and Rosillo, they got rid of that. Uh, Adnan Verk did a great job filling in that show, but, you know, they moved on from that. So, we'll see what happens with the new lineup, but either way, it's going to be tough if there's no sports. You look at our guys, Joe and Evan on WFAN, and it's not really fair to them. They just, they got into afternoon drive, and they had no sports talk about. Nobody's better than these two guys when it comes to baseball on the radio. And, of course, nobody's better after a big Jets loss than Joe Beningo. So I hope they keep <laughs> these two guys together. But, you know, maybe there's going to be some shuffling with WFN. You could see Mike Francesa coming in to save the day again, taking over in a longer shift. And who knows? You know, we have the Craig Carter rumors out there. I think he'd need a co-host. And I think Chris Christie would make a good one. Yeah, I I remember a couple years ago I had this conversation with you on the side uh, yesterday. Uh, I remember when Chris Christie was doing the fill-ins on WFAN and he was with Evan Roberts in the afternoon, and they called themselves the Geek and the Governor. And I happen to think it was I thought I really think it was good radio. I think politics aside, I don't want to bring politics into into this podcast, but I think uh, if you Take all that and leave it on the side. Chris Christie is just like you and I. He's a knowledgeable sports fan. We've seen him many a times on TV at Dallas Cowboys games in the press box with a certain Dallas Cowboys owner, Mr. Jerry Jones. So he's an outspoken uh, advocate for the Cowboys. Uh, 
there are fireworks going on outside my window. I don't know if you hear that, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Christy was, he was excellent radio. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Unfortunately, uh, we'll have to see, but, um, we, we know that the number one show in the morning is still Boomer and Geo, right? So Carton got into all of that legal mess and he is definitely a possibility to come back. But for now, Boomer and Geo is still the number one show in the morning. And like the conversation that we also had the other day, you said there's no sense in break, breaking up a number one, you know, team. And I and I, I totally understand the rationale for that and definitely agree with that in some way. Right. So uh, if you're not going to move Joe and Evan to the afternoon spot, which in the short term, I think is probably the best decision that they could make, then obviously they're going to need to find some type of standout talent that can draw on their own. And what's upsetting is that Mike Francesa retired a year or so ago, right? And he wasn't coming back. Then he had to come back, uh, tainted his retirement a little bit in a way. I still love him. I don't care. Whatever. We still love him. He's still our guy. But now you kind of see that they're, they've been doing the whole yo-yo thing with him and and they have him, you know, exclusively on the app at that certain time, and they may have to bring him back because there's they have nobody else on the station who can draw, which is it's a, it's a huge problem, and I think they're going to have to look externally for that solution. What do you think? Well, the thing is that Mike, he's still under contract at Intercom, so essentially they can tell him to do whatever they want. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. The, the rumors are that his Sunday morning NFL show will be returning this fall no matter what. So that's something there. And it's just a matter of does Mike want to do extra time. I think he really loves his one hour a day, two hour a day set up from home. It's very cozy and convenient. Uh, I think most of us would love to see him do a longer show. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Um, and, out, you know, if they're going to bring an outside name, then... And I, I would love to see them bring in a guy like Frank Isola or Adam Shine, or you have Brandon Tierney maybe move over from national radio to local radio. But we'll just have to wait and see. I don't think that my friend's going to be too quick to make any moves right now. I think they're going to just you know wait to see if sports comes back because no matter what, if there's no sports, then sports radio ratings are going to go down. So they might. I would like to. Uh, I want to throw Kim Jones's name into the hat. I I always like the appearances that she makes on WFAN. Uh, I remember working freelance uh, years ago when I did stuff for the CBS Sports Network, and we had Boomer and Carton on the simulcast in the morning. I remember she filled in uh, with Mark Malusis for a period of time. She was awesome. Uh, she's always doing spot fill-ins, either uh, depending on the the availability and who's gone. You know, she's done. Filling spots for Mike. Uh, she's done filling spots for the, the the weekend side of things. I think she's very very knowledgeable about New York sports. She has connections here, which I think are great. And uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the problem the problem with guys like Shine and Tierney are they do national shows and they're on national TV, right? So it's very hard to convince somebody to go from that kind of platform. Kim Jones is also on national TV. I mean, I know, I know. She have to give up in her NFL Network gig to do radio, and I don't but think I she think, would. But uh, but but let's let's be fair. I mean, if we're talking that two p.m. to six thirty spot, or that three p.m. to six thirty spot, right in the middle of the F on the uh, the airwaves on WFAN, 
especially in the New York market. I think the only two markets that really have pull outside of national stuff would be obviously New York and Los Angeles. Uh, Los Angeles, for better or worse, is probably more uh, not as much of a new, like a sports crazed like hub as New York is. So I think it's possible with the right offer to be able to lure somebody like that away. And and I honestly think that you're. I mean, you're 100 percent right. It's like Tierney would be perfect for that. Shine would be perfect for that. Uh, I think Isola is a good name. Isola has he his uh, his show on Sirius on the NBA channel in the mornings, right? So uh, I think you could convince him to, to they possibly need, pick up need, a they WF need, fan. They, they need a New Yorker. They need to. They have a New Yorker. They need a concrete New York guy or a New York girl who knows this town, who has been, who has worked in this town. I think that's a big thing because they tried to do that with Maggie Bart and Carlin. See, Carlin was the the, the 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 sports personality who had previously worked in New York before. He used to do loudmouths with Shine uh, on SNY at, at 6 o'clock or whatever the time it was. Carlin's uh, current show Shine, on was, ESPN Radio, him by himself, is 100 times better than CMB. Yeah, no, I agree. He's not – he's the kind of guy who either needs to do solo or he needs to be the sidekick for somebody. And that's why him and Loudmouth with Shine always work. Because he was always the perfect guy to kind of play off. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. Which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Shine. Adam Shine and Chris Carlin. There you go. Put them. Put them. Put them on the radio together. Right. <laughs> but yeah, you need you need a really big New York personality. How about, how about the Mad Dogs? Bring back the Mad Dog. <laughs> I wish. Oh, do I wish? I mean, that would be fireworks. And you mentioned fireworks before. We got to talk about the Fourth of July. Joey Chestnut sets the world record with seventy-five hot dogs eaten. I said there was going to be a world record, Joe, and Joey yeah. Chestnut, of course, delivered. And what well, a birthday treat it was for you, the other famous Joe, Joey Chestnut, coming through. Yep, he uh, he broke the record. I said he was going to go under. That didn't happen. I think the over under right before the start went off. Uh, I saw it in some places. It was seventy three and a half, and then some places it was seventy four and a half. And he finished 75, which was the record, right? So uh, over betters, you won that. Uh, and and you were right. You were right. Just the name, just like the name of this show. You know I'm right. You were. The conditions are perfect. The indoor conditions. And that definitely played a factor. Now, that obviously has moved to a different location. MLB, they're going to stay in their locations. They're going to be outdoors or indoors at the regular stadiums. But we don't know yet what's going to happen with the Toronto Blue Jays. They might not be allowed to play there. But the other thing really is just that right now, the COVID-19 testing across MLB has been an absolute disaster, Joe. Yeah, I, I've i seen a lot more positive tests from baseball players than I thought I would, uh, and a lot more from hockey players than I thought I would. Uh but yeah, so it's it hasn't really been great so far. Uh, I think I think mostly every team right has had some kind of positive test. 
either being a player or, or somebody on the training staff or, Not the or one of the coaches. I mean, the big issue has been that a lot of these teams haven't been able to get their test results back. The athletics haven't even had a practice yet because they're not getting their tests back. And we can't have this during the regular season. If they get tested, they need to have the results the same day or the next day. They can't be waiting four or five days because then everybody's going to get sick. It's going to spread. The fans won't get sick because they won't be there. But the Mets are going to come out with a bunch of other teams and do fan cutouts of season ticket holders in the seats. Interesting little wrinkle there. What do you think about that, Joe? I think it's a very interesting wrinkle, and I think it's something that other teams are going to have to explore too. Uh, we we understand that the the circumstances surrounding this are just. I mean, it, it's 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 very really really crazy uh, to think to think that we're going to have to think about concepts like this. Uh, and I do know that ba- Major League Baseball uh, reports have come out in the last week that says that ideally. They would like these stadiums filled at 25% capacity by the time everything is going by, by say, August, right? Uh, I don't know if that's a – I don't know if that's a a workable timeline. I still think you're going to see a lot of uh, measures in place on, on the, at the local level. And, and we know that in New York there's still that 14-day mandated quarantine period and – and there are about 15 states now that are uh, are a part of that. So you, we mentioned that in the the, uh, the last podcast. You said MLB that MLB but... can you know want wish they want about fans. It all comes down to local governments because if the governor or mayor or whatever says that you can't have a gathering of 15,000 people, it's not happening. So MLB, you can keep dreaming on that. I don't think there's going to be fans in the seats this year, but we shall see. The other big news in the MLB is that Steve Cohen, he's back. He's, he's back he's from the dead. He's interested in the Mets. Uh, maybe uh, Steve Cohen, he becomes the owner, and he makes A-Rod the president of baseball operations. I don't know. I think if Steve Cohen got in on the A-Rod J-Lo bid, that's the winning bid right there. That would be a power trio if you ever seen one before. But they're going to go separately, and... You know, Steve Cohen won't blink an eye at anybody else's bid. So I don't know how you don't see this guy being the favorite, unless the Mets and the Wolpons and MLB are so mad at him and they decide to take a, a lesser offer for the team. So as somebody who is a big fan of the show Billions, and I've mentioned this before, I am rooting for Steve Cohen because the main character in Billions, is uh, his name is Bobby Axelrod. His life is loosely based on Steve Cohen. And uh, I believe I mentioned this before, too. There is an episode where they are at City Field and they are putting together packages to be a part of the the ownership group that buys the Mets, right? So, uh, but I hope I can only hope that a uh, a, a Queens native, a guy who really really cares about owning the team, is passionate about owning the team, and wants to bring in a really good, uh, phenomenal baseball mind like Alex Rodriguez into the fold. Uh, I mean, how many other? actual suitors are there going to be for the team you know i mean at this point we know that it's going to come down to a set of two or three packages and and one of them is going to be highlighted by steve cohen and and uh his other associates and and whoever else wants to be a part of that right so it's it's gonna i'm gonna i mean i'm rooting for cohen because i i I want i mean he's not the bad guy but in this sake in this case you kind of want to see the bad guy win a little bit and i think it would be i think it would be great i think it would be the the jolt that the mets really need well, he'd definitely be the good guy if you're, if, if you're buying the Mets right. because you know, <laughs> just think about it. 
all of Steve Kerr has to do is he buys the Mets, he signs Mookie Betts. Uh, if the Mets, uh, right and there, Zahira. right there is a hero. And then if the Mets win a World Series under any of these owners, that's it. I mean, their, their legacy has, has been done. And then you'll be hearing calls for Steve Cohen to buy the Knicks. That would be, be next. So just just wait. We'll see. The MLB and the Mets are trying to get this sale done before the end of the year. And we'll see what happens with Cohen there. But I don't see how anybody's going to outbid him if he wants to bid. And he's going to be getting at a discount, at least a $600 million discount from his original bid, which I think is pretty pretty good for him. We'll see what happens there. He's got the money, but the other, the other guy who's got the money right now, Joe, is Patrick Mahomes. Mega deal. 10-year extension on top of the two years he's got left. If he hits all the incentives and stays healthy, he can make over half a billion dollars. So he could be yeah, on his way true. to being a future owner if he wants. And that's going to eat up a lot of the cap. So I think the next few years, you could definitely see that the Met, the uh, the Chiefs are still competitive, but then in the long term, you have to worry about whether or not the Chiefs are going to be able to compete because of their salary cap scenario. So I think uh, because of the state of the nature of of sports media, uh, especially with the NFL still being the number one sport, uh, I believe because of the way the TV situations are negotiated, because of all the way of, of all those contracts are negotiated, uh, I can't see there there being a point where the NFL salary cap uh, remains stagnant or goes down in any way. You know, we we kind of see that happening with the NHL side of things, where uh, because of everything, the we, the salary cap's not going up next year. Uh, maybe the NFL salary cap doesn't go up next year, but I think over the course of the next five to ten years, more often than not, you're going to see incremental increases in the salary cap. And we've been seeing this, especially with quarterback contracts. Uh, you know, t- up to ten years ago, twenty million dollars was a significant portion of the cap, and people always argued about uh, argued against paying any single player that much of that that highly percentage of the cap and and we've seen teams give quarterbacks these astronomical deals one right after the other, right? So you see Aaron Rodgers get a deal. You see Matt Stafford get a deal. You see Derek Carr get a deal. You've seen Joe Flacco get a deal, right? You see all these quarterbacks get deals. Uh, you see a guy like Dak Prescott waiting on a new contract in Dallas. You see Jared Goff getting paid absurd amounts of money with L.A. And everybody continuously says, oh, this is too much for a quarterback. This is too much for a quarterback. This is too much for a quarterback. I think in terms of what Patrick Mahomes brings, uh, he's not outside his first contract. He's well, he's still within the confines of his rookie contract, but he's already had two seasons where he's definitively been the best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, he's five thousand yard passer, uh, and oh, he only won a Super Bowl as a twenty four year old. I think he was the third youngest quarterback. Uh, I have to double check that's that. But uh, I'm sorry. I think he was the second. I think on Roethlisberger, uh, the first time he won with Pittsburgh, was the only one who was younger. So he's the second youngest quarterback to win a Super Bowl. He's won a Super Bowl MVP. He's done this all before the age of 25. And a 10-year contract, it seems pretty daunting. But that contract's going to end uh, before he turns 35, right? And we've we've seen players be able to play and be very efficient at quarterback now and through their late 30s. And, and in Tom Brady's case... 
he's going to 50 years old and he's still probably going to be freaking great. So, uh, so the truth is, I don't think it's really an issue or I don't think there should be any argument for the, the chiefs not doing it. I think they did a really great job. I think it's something that teams should probably explore a little more. Uh, it locks in their franchise player for an entire decade and it's somebody who's already done, you know, great work in the community. Uh, he's a likable guy, very likable personality. Uh, he reminds me a lot of of uh, like a Derek Jeter or a Steph Curry. He's just one of those like likable athletes that everybody kind of roots for, and uh, a lot of things about him are kind of unconventional, but he he gets it done. And and uh, so I'm I'm really excited uh, to, to to see him next year. When the Jets are five and eleven, and we have to go to Arrowhead Stadium and lose forty-five to like twenty-five or something, we shall see how that how that works out. It kind of ended up being a bargain. I mean, you know, it's not at the same level, but you know, two years ago the Mets locked up Degrom, and that ended up being a total bargain. We look at what Cole uh, and Strasburg got in free agency this offseason. So time will tell. Keep an eye on that and. The NHL, Joe, they picked their hub cities, Toronto and Edmonton, and we're going to have six games a day, most likely. And my question is, you know, does this really, is there a major advantage here for the Maple Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers staying in their home cities? I think so. I think anytime you are in a situation that those two teams are in where the for, they're not going to be traveling, right, and... Yes, they're going to have to stay kind of quarantined. They're going to just stay local right around the arena. But I think it helps having your your immediate friends and family around. And I think uh, in the cases of those two teams, they, they get that advantage, right? So uh, it, it's, it's, again, home ice advantage in the sense that they're staying in those cities, but also a home ice advantage in the true sense that they're probably not going to have to worry and have the extra burden of worrying about their family and, and friends like other players are going to have. This is this is going to be a case where a lot of these guys are going to be gone away uh, from their, their immediate family members for a, a significant chunk of time, at least a few weeks, some being a couple of months. And uh, we know from uh, Bob McKenzie did a series of tweets today stuff related to the CBA and and a bunch of sports writers, uh, hockey writers, were saying that the latest possible date that the league has for what Stanley Cup final will be, I think, believe, is October 2nd. So they're going to have to try to fit everything into that that window. But again, it's it's a three-month window, and a lot of people are going to be away. So yes, it distinctively gives them a, a little bit of a home ice advantage, I think. Wonder where the uh, Stanley Cup final will take place. My guess, probably Toronto. I think that's where they. I would. Be. I think it's going to be Toronto too. So this will be interesting. I wonder how the whole practice thing and everything's going to work out. And morning skates. Very interesting to see because there's not going to be a lot of skates space for morning skates. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to to have morning skates. And I think if there are morning skates, they're going to be capped maximum maybe what 20 minutes maybe a half hour if that that's because you're you're again so with the hub cities they have their their schedule they they plan on playing three games right there's a 12 game a 4 p.m game and an 8 p.m game so in the two hub cities that means maximum of six games like you were describing 
So if we're looking at a situation where the crew's got to get the ice ready to be ready to go by noon, that means that they're going to need the ice from between, what, 11 in the morning and, uh, until noon. So that gives only teams, what, a three-hour window from 8 to 11 a.m. to really try to, to get uh, morning skate stuff in. So if you have six teams that are playing, that gives a max of 30 minutes between uh, teams. But then now the, the teams that are doing morning skates or doing drills or doing and whatnot, now you have to get the ice ready for the next team. So does it make sense for them just to do 15 to 20 minutes? I don't really think so, you know? it's I don't, I don't think there's a, 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 an answer for it right now. All I could say is that overall, the Zambonis are going to be in overdrive in this home city thing. It's going to be crazy. It really is. So we'll keep an eye on that. And the other big news, and we'll end with this, is that Rick Buecher of Bleacher Report came out today and said the Knicks will name Tom Thibodeau head coach within a week or so. I think this is the right choice. If they're not really considering Van Gundy or Mark Jackson, I would like Tom Thibodeau. Of course, he was the assistant coach under Jeff Van Gundy back in the day with the Knicks. And, you know, it really didn't work out too well with Minnesota, but maybe the talent level wasn't there, but look what he did with the Bulls. I think most Knicks fans would sign up for a consistent playoff team right now. Is this the coach you want to see? I mean, I definitely don't want to see Jason Kidd, as we mentioned last last show, but I I would prefer Mark Jackson, but I'm pretty cool with Tom Thibodeau. I am too. I think most the, the most important thing that the Knicks need to do with their net, net, the next head coaching hire is they need a guy – who is going to establish a culture and uh, a guy who, like uh, like Tom who's got a, a background in defense and uh, has a track record of being able to improve a team's defensive output at the NBA level uh, is I think it's too it's too much to ignore for the Knicks and and I think you're right I think it wasn't really the, the best situation in Minnesota I know he butted heads with uh, with Jimmy Butler. And they had a lot of young players who were kind of seen as one-dimensional guy like Andrew Wiggins. Uh, I would take his his time in Chicago, and I would look at that and what he was able to accomplish in Chicago. And he was very, very good there uh, in the years that he was there. And I think we could look to that and, and maybe see that as what he can bring to the Knicks. And, and I think that's what they need. And, and for the Knicks, it's never a question of – I mean, they're able to find – talent the problem is there's never anything around those kids that they draft that can mold them and turn them into pros and that's why we see because the situation is so unstable and because these guys are never being developed that's why they always end up trading their guys like like Porzingis was the last one right so I think Tom I think uh out kind of solves a, a bunch of those questions that that they specifically need to to, to take care of. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of You Know I'm Right. For Joe Calabrese, I'm Nick Durst. Thank you for listening to You Know I'm Right. COVID-19 is still around, but that doesn't mean the Army ROTC programs are not there for you. Earn scholarships for school and pursue the career you want. The leadership-developing Army ROTC classes will give any full-time student the focus and resources that can open doors down the road. Start sharpening the skills that will carve out your future today. Learn how at GoArmy.com ROTC. Army ROTC, now accepting college scholarship applications. Visit GoArmy.com money for college.